This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello and welcome to the latest Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Matt Addison, alongside me, my Liverpool Echo colleague, Adam Jones, who is, of course, our Everton reporter here to look ahead to the Merseyside derby. Adam, welcome back to the Blood Red podcast. The derby's always a big one. Are you looking forward to this game or is this one of those games that you just can't really ever look forward to? I never look forward to the derby, Matt, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially the Anfield derbies. You know, growing up as an Everton fan, I've had it ingrained in my mind, essentially, that the Anfield derby just means despair for Everton because, the, you know, it's been so long since Everton have actually managed to uh, to win at Anfield. I actually can't remember the last time Everton won at Anfield, to be honest. So, yeah, the, the derbies in general just have, have never been... I've never been particularly ones that I look forward to. My first derby, I, I, I hate telling this story, but I'm onto it now. Uh, my first derby was the uh, the Gary McAllister like late free kick derby. So that kind of gave me a rude introduction into into what the Merseyside derby was going to be for me in the years to come. To be honest, so yeah, it's not not really one I ever look forward to. No, I mean, obviously Reds fans will, will know all too well, really, since the, the turn of the calendar year. Liverpool's performances haven't been that great. As you say, Everton don't have a good record at Anfield. 1999, it was the last time, of course, that Everton won at that ground. But there's never been a, a better opportunity as there for Everton. I mean, especially with no fans, the way it's been going for Liverpool of late, it must sort of seem like a, a little bit of hope going into this one. Well, I think the problem is the best opportunity that Everton were going to have to to win at Anfield was last year in the FA Cup when you know Liverpool played half a team of kids and Everton still couldn't beat them then. Like I know there was there were fans there on that occasion and you know Everton missed loads of chances in the first half. You know there were there were caveats and there were different factors that involved in that game than there will will be uh, in this weekend's match. But you know it it still just sticks in my mind that. Everybody thought that Everton were going to win that game. Everyone thought, right, well, this is this is the moment Everton are finally going to win at Anfield. And somehow, <laughs> some some way, it still didn't go right for Everton on that occasion. Now, you're right in saying, you know, there's no fans there uh, at Anfield. Liverpool's home record, in particular, quite recently hasn't been hasn't been fantastic. So, in the normal circumstances, you think to yourself, oh well, it's it's a it's a great opportunity for Everton, but. There's, there's just still something in the back of my mind that makes me that makes me think this is going to be well, and I, I, I know for a start it's going to be a, a really really tough game for Everton because at the end of the day Liverpool are still a phenomenally gifted football team and you know they they do always seem to up their game against Everton uh, in situations like this so it's going to be all down to whether Everton can up their game in a similar way and if they can bring their away form that they've been showing throughout this season so far to Anfield then. Yeah, they will have a, a pretty decent chance of getting a, a good result because they've been really, really good away from home this season. But is that is that where no fans is gonna is gonna actually play into Everton's hands? Maybe. So I, I can see why it might be might be considered a, a good opportunity for Everton. But you know, after the last two results, especially you know, thing the the morale I would say around Everton fans at, at the minute isn't exactly high. 
Yeah, Everton's sort of late form has been a, a little bit mixed, hasn't it? I mean, losing to Manchester City midweek was probably not the worst result just because it's Manchester City. But before that, beating Tottenham in the FA Cup and then losing to Fulham in the Premier League, it, it sort of seems to me to, to be a little bit typical of, of how it's gone this season, almost a little bit like Liverpool, I suppose. The, the better results have tended to come against the better teams at times. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange one. Like, obviously, Man City are a fantastic football team. You know, they're 10 points clear at the top of the table. It looks like they're going to absolutely cancel to the title this year. And they, the way they play football is so interesting. Like, they just completely strangled Everton over any any sort of possession, any sort of attacks that they could make uh, at Goodison Park last night. So, there was, there was never really any hope that Everton were going to get a result in that game. So... Yeah, it was kind of expected that Everton were going to lose, but I think the problem that Everton fans have is that result was made all the more worse by losing to Fulham the weekend previously, because you know that's now that's now two losses, you know, back to back at home. I think that's three three losses in a row in the Premier League at Goodison Park now. So you know you were expecting you were certainly expecting Everton to play a lot better than they did against Fulham. Fulham completely deserved. To beat Everton on the on the day, which I think is the most disappointing thing. So after that game, you know, heading into that Man City match, yeah, Man City are a fantastic football team and everything like that. But you know, there was a certain feeling among, among some Everton fans that they wanted to really go out and have a go against Man City because you know the result against Fulham was so bad, and you know that didn't really happen. So it, that I think that's probably what what has affected the mood a little bit more. I think. That full that Fulham game has you know <laughs> managed to kill off any momentum that you know the the comeback over Spurs got and then obviously the comeback against Manchester United a few days previously to that game as well away from home you know it, it seemed as if Everton had built up you know, a bit of a strong mentality a bit of momentum and then you know just one defeat to Fulham and you you're back to square one and you you just you're just fighting up from the bottom again and you know obviously a, a game against Man City straight after that's probably probably not the best way to to try and start again and then you know a trip to Anfield probably probably making things even worse if we're honest what's the the sort of aim really for for Everton this season I mean they're three points behind Liverpool aren't they going into this game that game in hand that they've got is against Aston Villa which is probably not the, the easiest game in the world this season but is there almost a, a belief that the top four could be on given the way that the the sort of crazy nature of this season has been or is this inconsistency you mentioned there that the Fulham game is that sort of dragging expectations back down again every time they sort of get a little bit raised. I think it's interesting though, isn't it? Because, I mean, you speak about that inconsistency and I think, you know, when you look at it outside, you know, the prism of just Everton, every side is, is feeling like that at the minute, aren't they? You know, like Leicester are considered, you know, to be really strong challengers for the top four this season. But a couple of weeks ago, they got beat at home by four. So, you know, they got beat at home by by Leeds as well. So, you know, I feel like a lot of sides this season are just having these inconsistent patches and, you know, you can get you know, a really good run of results together and it puts you right back up in the race to the top four. And then, like like Everton have had recently, you have these couple of defeats and instantly it kind of, you know, tempers expectations a bit. I think the expectation for Everton this season should be to get European football. I think the Europa League certainly has to be the aim for Everton this season because... You know, not having European football is just—it just feels weird for Carlo Ancelotti specifically to not have European football. He keeps saying it's the aim for him 
to uh, get back into the Champions League as quick as possible as well. So, you know, maybe in his mind, he'll be aiming for the Champions League. Now, I think looking at it objectively, I don't think Everton's squad is particularly good enough uh, to be to be aiming for the Champions League at the minute. I do think that they need another couple of transfer windows behind them to really build up a bit of quality and depth before you know they, they can be serious Champions League contenders. But I think in terms of the Europa League, I think Everton's squad is easily good enough to be able to finish inside you know the top six. So it, it is just about finding as much consistency as you possibly can in this topsy-turvy season. And I know that's what a lot of teams are going to be going for uh, this year, but you know you've, you've got you know the likes of West Ham are going to be <laughs> going to be fighting for these European places. You know they see at the minute like one of the most consistent teams in the league. How long is that going to last? We don't know because you know as I say, like every every team seems to be having these patches of inconsistency. Barring you know, Man City on their ridiculous win run at the minute, so yeah, I I think I think top six should be the realistic aim for Everton this season, but. It is just all about if they can just string some good results together at home more than more than a bit away form because it's, I don't think their away form is particularly of a concern at the minute. Before we sort of go into a, a few individuals in terms of Everton, I mean, you mentioned Carlo Ancelotti there obviously comes into to Everton with a, a huge reputation. The idea is to, to take them up to the next level. They've spent a fair bit of money under him. I mean, What's the, the next step for him? How long is he going to be at Goodison Park? And, and what would almost represent success for him? What What's the task that, that he's being given at Everton? Well, you do feel like he's at Everton for the long term. And he does keep saying that, you know, the reason he came to Everton was because he really did like the project that was that was put on display for him. And I still think it this, this whole season to me still smacks as Everton being right at the start of this project of Ancelotti and with... Uh, Marcel Brands as director of football as well, with him coming close to signing a new contract, which I think is really good for Everton, to be honest. Uh, so I think, realistically, Carlo Ancelotti, I think, he, as I say, he'll be wanting to get European football as soon as possible. And I think, to be honest, finishing inside the top six, you know, with the inconsistencies with we, that we've had this season and with you know, certain injuries to certain players at important stages of the season, you know, I think that can be considered a, a relative success uh, for Everton this season. But, you know, in terms of in terms of what actually constitutes success, I think for me uh, and for a lot of Everton fans, then it, it has to be winning trophies. It's the only it's the only thing that can really be considered a, a success for uh, for Everton, you know, despite despite the, you know, obviously how long they've gone without winning a trophy. I think that just makes the pressure even even greater for somebody to come in and win trophies. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what that's the promise that Carlo Ancelotti kind of brings with him, you know, that that amazing CV that he's got behind and everyone instantly thinks, oh, well, if he can't win a trophy with Everton, then who's going who's gonna to be able to do it? Now, Everton still are in the FA Cup, of course, but they've got Man City at home in the quarterfinals. So uh, I think last night proved how hard that's going to be for them to try and uh, get through that. But I suppose you've got to, you've got to beat the best if you want to, if you want to be winning the FA Cup. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that down the line. But I think, yeah, I think mainly trophies has got to be has got to be what Carlo Ancelotti's aiming for. Whether it's going to be this season or whether it's going to have to be next season or in a couple of years. But I think I think Carlo Ancelotti is the right man to deliver that for Everton certainly. And I think you know every Everton fan is going to be going to be behind them all the way. 
yeah, absolutely a top class manager. It really is good to, to see Everton having that and, and taking them to the next level. It, it does just sort of underline the, the quality and, and the draw of the, the whole Premier League, doesn't it? Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. Let's get on to a, a few individual players from Everton then. I think that the first one I'm going to pick out and, and ask you about is probably a bit of a surprise for anybody who's not watched a great deal of Everton over the last few months because it, it's Tom Davis. He seems to be sort of going under the radar a little bit. Up until this season, I didn't even think that he possibly had a long-term future at Everton, but he seems to have, have come a long way over certainly the last few weeks and he could almost be a, a crucial player for Everton this weekend. Certainly, and I don't, I don't think you're the only one who would have had that view about Tom Davis, to be honest. I think there would probably be a certain section of Everton fans who would have thought, well, is, is he going to move out on loan? Is he going to go permanently uh, at the start of the season? Even, even in January, there probably would have been some people thinking, oh, is he, is he still going to go out on loan? But, you know, as you say, over the last few weeks, I think probably since uh, a Boxing Day game against Sheffield United, uh, Tom Davis played really, really well in that position. He took up. Uh, the role that Alan usually plays in a four-three-three, you know, just sitting in front of the uh, sitting in front of the back four on that occasion, and he was absolutely fantastic. And he's only he's only grown from that point on, to be honest. Uh, against Manchester United, he was probably the catalyst for for that comeback because he just came out for the second half of that game when Everton were two 0 down, and he took it upon himself to be the man, you know, picking up the ball from the defenders in midfield, you know, progressing Everton up the pitch, playing that little one-two with Luca Dean, I think it was to, you know. Try and try and get Everton up the pitch, and I think that got them the, uh, the goal back from Decore at the start of that at the start of that second half. And yeah, he's he's just been a really key player in midfield. I think the last two games he's been taken off uh, early in the second half by Carlo Ancelotti, which I think has been a little bit strange, if I'm honest, because I, I thought he's probably still been one of Everton's best players in both of those two matches. So. It, it'll be interesting. Maybe, maybe Carlo Ancelotti was trying to save him uh, for for the for the weekend by taking him off uh, in yesterday's game because I think he he absolutely deserves to start. I think Alan will be will be back in the team and he you know, presumably start in that game. But I'd I'd quite like to see Alan Decore and Davis as a midfield three for Everton to be honest because I think. Davis has done more than enough to keep his place in the side because, as I say, he's he brings he brings a certain physicality to that midfield. I think he's really good with the ball technically. Uh, he's energetic. He's determined. He puts you know he puts everything in for the shirt, which we you would expect from an academy graduate like him. So I, I think you know, especially in a Merseyside derby, it's probably good to have players like that as much as you can. So especially one in form like Davis, I think it's. Yeah, I think you're right. He could easily be a key player for Everton this weekend. You mentioned Alan and Decore there, and of course, Hamas Rodriguez as well. Those were the, the three big signings for, for Everton last summer. How have all three of those sort of integrated into the team? Have they sort of taken Everton to the next level, would you say? Yeah, fantastically well. I think, uh, you know, speaking about Hamas Rodriguez first, I think, you know, I think many Everton fans would say that he's probably the most technically gifted player that has been a has been a Goodison Park for a generation. He's he's absolutely phenomenal to watch sometimes and I think he has kind of evolved the way Everton break teams down, especially at the start of the season, uh, when there were a few doubts over whether Everton should have brought him into the into the Premier League. I think he completely 
eradicated any of those doubts instantly with some of his performances. You know, the way he can, the way he can pinpoint crosses into the box, especially uh, is something that Dominic Calvert Lewin particularly loved uh, at the start of the year. But it is, it is eye for a little pass. You know, you can you can score a goal from seemingly anywhere as well. And I think his I think his defensive work rate is something that goes under the radar as well. Somebody you know, if you if you're not watching Everton every weekend, you you're not really concentrating on what Hannes Rodriguez does. Uh, I think it might surprise you how much defensive work that he actually does because he does put a lot of effort in, especially over the last few weeks. You know, it might have taken him a little bit of time to get up to speed with the Premier League properly, but I think he is up to speed with the Premier League now, and I think his defensive work rate in particular is what's impressed me. And then, as you say, moving on to Decore and Alan. Alan's an interesting one because he's obviously been injured for the last couple of months and I think Everton have really missed him because you know he is he, he was incredible at the start of the year uh, uh, playing in that position as I say just in front of the back four you know he was he was just as crucial to Everton's attack as he was uh, as he was defensively I think his you know his positioning particularly you know in get, getting into the right players making the right getting making the right tackles making the right interceptions I think that was that was what impressed me most about him so it would be really good for Everton to have that back as soon as possible. And Abdelai Decore, uh, especially over the last few weeks, the, the engine that he's got on him to be able to get up and down the pitch is absolutely incredible. He's, he's the exact box-to-box player that Everton have been missing over the last couple of years, I'd say. You know, he's, you know, as I say, he's very, very strong, very quick. He's, his position, particularly in defence as well, I think is really, really good. But I think what's impressed me most is is work in and around the edge of the box. You know, he's always trying to get up to try and support Everton attacks. I think his intelligence to be able to play, you know, certain passes down the flank in particular, he always seems to be able to spot an overlapping fullback down the flank, and then he's instantly right. I'm I'm getting in the box. I want to try and I want to try and score goals. And Everton haven't really had that sort of midfielder. You know, you can make those runs from deep over the last few years. So again, I think he's been a really important player for Everton to try and evolve the way the attack teams. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to see that a little bit this weekend. In goal, I think it's, it's interesting as well for, for Everton. I mean, I assume it, it's going to be Jordan Pickford at the weekend. And I wonder how sort of convinced you are with him. I mean, with him and, and Robin Olsen, the two goalkeepers for, for Everton, it almost sort of reminds me of Simon Mignolet and, and Loris Carius at Liverpool where... <laughs> Neither of them are absolutely dreadful on a normal day, but neither of them are probably quite at the level that you probably want. It's really interesting, this goalkeeper situation, because I, I wouldn't want to put money on either of them starting at the weekend, to be honest, because genuinely, I have no idea. Carlo Ancelotti has said you know, throughout the season that he is going to rotate his goalkeepers, and he, he's been doing just that. Uh, Pickford has been injured a little bit recently, came back in for the Man City game, and I think you know he's... He was so close to having just the typical sort of like solid performance that he needed. You know, the first first two goals he couldn't really do anything about. It was a you know, that huge deflection from Foden's goal couldn't do anything about that. And then Riyad Mahrez just pinged one in off the uh, off the inside of the post. There's not an end. I don't think two goalkeepers would have saved that to be honest. Uh, and then for the third goal, he he does the typical thing where he gets his hand to the ball, but somehow it's still manages to find the back of the net, you'll be quite disappointed with that. And that's the kind of thing that people is, are going to remember from that performance. You know, people won't remember that he, you know, commanded his area quite well. He made some quite good saves against the strong Man City team. They'll remember, you know, the, the 
little bit of a mistake that he made uh, in letting Man City score their third. And Robin Olsen's not really like that. I think Robin Olsen, you know, while he's certainly not as gifted in his distribution, for example, as Jordan Pickford, I think he does. He regularly commands his area a little bit better. He just seems to be, you know, the kind of safe bet. He's not going to do anything spectacular for you, really, but he is just a, a safe pair of hands, usually, between the sticks. So it's, it, it's a really interesting dynamic at the minute because, you know, I'd say Pickford is probably, on his day, the better goalkeeper. But his day just hasn't really come all that often this, this season, whereas Olsen has been quite consistently just solid. So it, it, it is going to be really interesting to see which route Carlo Ancelotti goes down. If I was if I was to make a guess, I probably would say Pickford is going to start because I do think that Pickford is still his number one at the minute. But, you know, I, I think it's a real... It's, it's no longer the fact that Olsen is just Pickford's battle. I think Olsen is a genuine, like, credible challenger to pick the uh, place in the side at the minute, which is making things even more interesting. And it kind of puts a little bit more pressure on Pickford to, you know, cut those mistakes out of his game sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're recording the, the podcast a couple of days in advance of when it's going to go out, but just wanted to, to quickly ask you on injuries. Do you expect Dominic Calvert-Lewin will be playing? Yerry Mina, I know, got injured against Manchester City. What's the, the sort of feeling on, on those two? Because they're two big, big players for Everton, aren't they? Mm. The feeling is that Dominic Calvert-Lewin will thankfully be, well, thankfully for Everton's <laughs> case anyway, will thank, thankfully, uh, thankfully be fit for, for this game, which is they're going to be a massive boost to Everton. I think we've really missed him over the last couple of games and you know, I think his, his stats over the course of the season kind of sum up why. Uh, but Yeni Mina probably will will miss the game. He picked up a, a calf injury quite early on against Man City, forced off uh, and you know, Carlo Ancelotti confirmed after the game that it looks like he's going to miss the derby, which will be a big miss because he's been a crucial player for Everton this season. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Everton try and replace him in the team. But uh, yeah, Calvert-Lewin being back is going to be a massive boost to the side. And Alain being back in the side as well, would expect him to be fit fit enough to start uh, this weekend. So hopefully those two will be able to give Everton the kind of boost that they need. Just before we finish, then I want to, to ask you about a, a combined team, just of the players that are, are currently fit for, for both teams that we expect it to be playing at the weekend. How many Everton players do you think would get into to this Liverpool team? Uh, if, considering Calvert-Lewin's fit, I think on form, I, I, I think Calvert-Lewin gets into that team because you know he's one of the Premier League's top scorers this season. I think he's only behind Mo Salah so far this season. So, you know, Having a team with the two with the two top scorers in the Premier League, I think you've just got to go for that, really, haven't you? Uh, I would put who's I put centre back. I think it's a really interesting decision. I put Ben Godfrey centre back. To be honest, I think he's been a revelation so far this season. I think you know he's he's the one summer signing that we didn't really talk about earlier. Uh, you know, obviously we had the trio who joined quite close to each other, but Godfrey joined quite late and I think he's he's really surprised Everton fans in how well he's done and I think you know his versatility particularly you know, he's been playing left back a lot over the last couple of months and you know it just doesn't seem seem to phase him but uh, over the last couple of weeks he's moved into centre back a little bit more and he's he's really impressed me you know obviously he's still got a lot to improve because he's still you know really young for, for that position but yeah I think I think I'd put him in the in the team to be honest um Luca Dean, 
had put in as well. I think it, I think it's a matter of preference. Obviously, Andy Robertson's a phenomenal left back in his own right, but I think you know you won't get you won't get many Liverpool fans saying Dean will get into the the team, but you wouldn't get any Everton fans that don't think saying Robertson will get into the team. It's just one of those. You know, like, I think both clubs have got two phenomenal left backs, so I think being being of an Everton bias, I think it would be wrong of me to not say that we could even get into the team. Uh, and then I'd be struggling to be <laughs> to be honest. Would, uh, would you say another centre back? Um. Well, actually, yeah. To be fair, considering considering Van Dijk's injured, yeah, I probably I probably would throw Michael Keane in there as well because I think I think since since the return from lockdown the first time way back in June, I think Michael Keane's probably been one of Everton's best players and he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I think for anybody who's not an Everton fan, because obviously doubt Calvert Lewin's been taking a lot of the headlines in that sense, but Michael Keane has easily inserted himself as one of Carlo Ancelotti's most trusted players over that period. So yeah, maybe I'd throw Keane in there. I think there's probably an argument for maybe either Alan or Decore getting into the midfield as well, maybe on, on current form. But yeah, it, it, it's quite tricky. Liverpool is still a really, really good team at the end of the day. I think there's a lot of positions that Liverpool have got absolutely nailed down in you know, any sort of combined eleven. Yeah, I think that just about brings us to the end of the, the podcast. I'm sure Liverpool fans listening will be quite happy to see that they still dominate this even after a, a fairly difficult couple of weeks, I think it's fair to say. Thank you very much to, to yourself, Adam, for, for joining me. Just the, the very final question I will throw you away is to ask for a quick score prediction. I know it's not the best game to, to predict. Anything can happen, of course, can't it, in a Merseyside derby, except an Everton win of late, it seems. But uh, <laughs> we shall uh, see how it goes. I'm going to go for a tight 2-1 Liverpool win. I think Everton will score but I do think Liverpool will just about have enough what are you going to go for something in my mind makes me think that it's just going to be an absolutely bizarre game because I don't think either team can particularly defend very well at the minute so I I, for some reason I think there's there's goals in this game I'm going to resist the temptation to go for a 3-3 because mm, maybe 3-3 is a bit bit too ambitious I'm going to go 2-2 2-2 draw I'm not sure Everton have got enough to win, but I think they'll get a result. 2-2. Two, two. Same, same as the Goldison game. Yeah, of course. Yeah, interesting. It was a, it was a very good game. Not the uh, the best one from a Liverpool perspective, but yeah. it was a very, very entertaining game at Goodison Park. And of course, we shall see what happens. You can follow it all across the Liverpool Echo and across Blood Red too, including the debrief at the final whistle and then our regular post-game podcast with all of the usual contributors shortly after that. For now, though, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the build-up to the game from myself, Matt Addison, and from Adam Jones. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.